Imagine this. You're sitting alone at night, reading a book quietly. Your music is on softly in the background, and the scent of your candle fills the room with its sweet aroma. You are cozy as can be. You sigh and stretch out as the music pans across the room. Wait, did, did the speaker just move? What, what was that? You stand up to investigate, only to find that your speaker has fallen to the floor. Oh god. You turn and see objects from around your cozy nook suddenly spring from their places and clatter across the scene before you. Your room is total chaos. A coaster whizzes past your head as you duck and run for cover. This could only be one thing. A poltergeist. One more reason we don't look in the trees. Hello, my fine forest friends. I'm Abby, and today we're adding poltergeist to the list of reasons we don't look in the trees. A poltergeist is a type of ghost or spirit that is responsible for physical disturbances such as loud noises and objects being moved or destroyed. But the word poltergeist is a German word which literally translates to noisy ghost or noisy spirit. Most claims or fictional descriptions of poltergeists show them being capable of biting, hitting, or tripping people. They are also capable of movement or levitation of objects such as furniture and cutlery. Think of one of their ghostly hands had a knife. They also have been known to knock on walls and on doors. What's worst is that poltergeists are known to haunt a particular person rather than a specific location. Many different cultures have their own version of poltergeist folklore because of this. The early claims of spirits that supposedly harass and torment their victims date back to the first century, but references to poltergeists specifically become much more common around the 17th century. And like we always say, if we have a lot of references and occurrences of these things across many cultures, across many years, especially before we had these ways of mass communication, at least in my opinion, there has to be something there, right? I'll go into detail about a few of the well-known poltergeist stories, and then we'll go into detail about possible explanations later. The first of these stories is the one which inspired The Conjuring 2. It was once known as the House of Strange Happenings, the Enfield House home of the Enfield poltergeist. The case involves strange noises, levitation, flying objects, furniture being moved through the air, cold breezes, and more. And while some call it a hoax, others consider it to be one of the most witnessed cases of supernatural activity to date. It all started in a quaint little home in Enfield, London in 1977, when Peggy Hudson, a single mother of four children, heard loud noises coming from her daughter's bedroom. When she went to tell her daughter Margaret, 12, and Janet, 11, to settle down and go to sleep, instead of roughhousing, she found them huddled in a corner with terrified expressions on their face. We told our mom the chest of drawers was moving towards the bedroom door, Janet recalled in 2012, and she said, oh, don't be silly. Side note, if your children tell you that something is happening that they can't understand or explain, please listen to them. Please listen to your children if they're scared. But Peggy then witnessed the drawers moving herself, in the direction of the door by a seemingly invisible force, almost as if someone, if some supernatural presence was trying to trap the girls in the room. And when she went to try to push it back against the dresser, it wouldn't budge. Terrified, the Hogston family ran across the street to ask help from their neighbor, Vic and Peggy Nottingham. 
When Vic went into the house to investigate, he too said he heard a strange noise coming from around the home. The Hodgkinsons called the police, and even one officer claimed to have seen a chair move across the room. They deduced it was not a police manner. According to the family, that was just the beginning of what would become a nearly 18-month haunting. Here's a quote from Margaret herself. We didn't understand what was happening. We went through periods where we just couldn't believe what actually happened. What really happened? It's frightening. We didn't like to be on our own in the house or anything. When the strange incidents continued, Peggy decided to call a popular UK publication, The Daily Mirror, to come and investigate the supposed supernatural occurrences. But when the reporter arrived, the house sat silent for hours. It wasn't until the reporter was about to leave that something finally happened. The photographer came back and a Lego brick hit him above the eye. He still had a mark a few days later. And then Maurice Gross came in on the case, Janet said, according to the Daily Mail. The Daily Mirror called the Society for Psychical Research, or SPR, who sent Gross to investigate the case. During his stay at the house, Gross said he witnessed more than 2,000 different incidents occurring of supernatural activity. Furniture tipping over, cups filled with water, fires igniting, voices, levitation. Janet recalled of the first time while speaking on ITV. The most frightening encounter was when a curtain wrapped itself around my neck, next to my bed. It was during this time in the house that the supposed poltergeist started speaking through Janet. The young girl would often go into a trance-like state when she would speak in a deep, scratchy voice, claiming to be the ghost of a man named Bill Wilkins, who had died in the house years before. It was later proven that a man by that name was once a resident of the home and did die in fact of a hemorrhage while sitting in their living room. The ghost would reportedly talk through Janet for hours at a time. The next case is more recent and arguably more frightening. Canedo di Coronia is a small village in Sicily, Italy. In 2003 and 4, the town began to spontaneously catch fire in hundreds of documented occurrence. It began in December of 2003 when Antonio Pizzino had his television explode in his living room as he was watching it. This kicked off a string of malfunctions which affected fuse boxes, air conditioners, kitchen appliances, computers, and electronic car door locks. Fires also struck non-electric items such as wedding presents and at least one piece of furniture. Several individuals even witnessed unplugged electrical cables and devices igniting in their presence. Fires became so numerous and unpredictable that the mayor of the village, Mayor Spinato, issued an order in February 2004 evacuating the 39 residents from their homes to the town's only hotel. The Italian power utility then cut the power to all of their homes in hopes that this would stop the fires. But this wasn't the case. The fires continued igniting until March, even with no power to make electrical failure possible. Malfunctions and compasses, electronic car locks, and cell phones were all witnessed by investigators during this blackout. The government formed an interdisciplinary research group to investigate the fires in April 2004. The team included cooperating members of Italy's armed forces, police, and utility companies. Anomalous electromagnetic activity, unexplained lights, and rotor damage to a helicopter were all experienced by this team over the course of their investigation. Despite the two-month investigation, results were inconclusive and residents finally returned to their homes in June. The suspected cause of these numerous fires vary. Public speculation has attributed them to poltergeists. In 2007, it was proposed that the fires were caused by intermittent electromagnetic emissions or by arsonists. 
Neither of these arguments were enough to form a good argument and the chief prosecutor of the area throughout the case in 2008. Arson was the chief argument at the time, but there has still been no conclusive evidence pointing to an arsonist or to the means that an arsonist would have used to start the fires in the first place. So here's the thing. Like most paranormal phenomena, there's been plenty of hoaxes and fakes. This is also true for poltergeists. There are a few explanations that have been offered up by science to try to explain the way that poltergeists exist. The first is a natural phenomena. This explanation is mostly confined to the person who experienced the poltergeist set up the phenomena themselves. This explanation is one that is assigned to con artists. Maybe when a team showed up to investigate a poltergeist, the person who was experiencing it was just throwing things around the room. Maybe the noises they were hearing were simply wishful thinking that they had been caused by a poltergeist. Perhaps there was a draft through the room that was strong enough to build pictures off the wall or move furniture around. Things like that. The next explanation is unverified natural phenomena. The best arguments for this are underground water movement, seismic activity, and a ball of lightning. The first of these suggestions, that water shifting under a house is enough to cause vibrations which can knock over objects around the house. This has been debunked because obviously you would feel if your whole house was vibrating. There would also likely be damage to the house itself if this happened, like the foundation would be damaged. The next is minor earthquakes which could create enough seismic activity to knock over objects and shift furniture. This has also been debunked because seismic forces affect a very large area, not just a single house. The last explanation suggests that ball lightning is what shifts things around the house. This is also easily debunked because there's skepticism about the existence of ball lightning in general. The only proof of ball lightning that could be measured occurred after a large natural cloud-to-ground lightning strike which produced a naturally occurring ball lightning which was only slightly cooler than its parent lightning, meaning it was slightly cooler than 15,000 to 300,000 degrees Kelvin. So yeah, a ball of something that could vaporize soil knocked over my picture frame, right? The last explanation is that poltergeists are paranormal. This explanation states that malicious spirits are responsible for poltergeist activity. Spirits of those who have passed on and will linger around with those who are unlucky enough to have one attached to them. This is the explanation that is most interesting to me because it exists outside of what is possible to modern science, and that makes poltergeists truly amazing. And I have two listener stories coming up for you next. This first one comes from Lexi. Hi, Abby. First, I want to say I've been binging your videos on TikTok and I've just followed the podcast and turned on notifications, which you guys totally should too. I love spooky stuff and I love how respectful you are in telling these stories and still respecting people's cultures. Thank you. I'm a little nervous typing this up just because I've never told this in text form or really submitted it to any other podcast or creator. I apologize in advance for any grammatical errors. You don't need to apologize. Now on to my story. I was probably around 14 when this all took place. My best friend at the time and I were super into Wicca and anything witchy or creepy, but being young, we were not smart about it in any way. Preach. This particular night, we were celebrating her birthday with a friend of ours, and she was doing a spooky theme as one does. <sighs> Wish I could have been there. She'd always told me that her house was haunted, but I never experienced much there aside from the occasional shadow on the corner of my eye until this night. 
Before I explain the steps we performed this mystery ritual, the purpose I don't remember, I'm going to explain the room layout, which is really important later. It was an empty room. She told me that her uncle committed suicide in there a few years prior. With a small open closet, a single fold-out table, and a single fold-out chair. Her father was at work, so we were the only three home, and there wasn't a single window open in the house. We propped up a mirror in the corner across from the door, so looking into it, you could see the whole room, but more importantly, the door, which was shut. I'm already getting chills, oh my god. She had drawn some sort of chalk circle on the wood floor around the mirror, which she instructed us to sit around. Like I said, I have no memory of what purpose the ritual was supposed to serve. She instructed me and the other friends to not look in the mirror while she recited the words to this ritual. Once she had finished, we all sat and waited, still not looking into the mirror at this point. Our other friend got impatient, and he didn't quite believe in the stuff anyway, so he thought it would be funny to slowly and deliberately open a candy bar as loud as he could, and we all started laughing and looked up. As soon as we all looked into the mirror, the door slammed open behind us as if it had been kicked in. Hitting the wall so hard, it slammed back shut. We obviously freaked out. Checked all over the house for Windsor's, called her dad, who confirmed he was still at work. Freaked out, we all decided to just go for a walk, and hopefully her dad would be home by the time we got back. A few hours later, probably about 8 or 9, as the sun was setting, it was mid-September, we returned to the house. Unfortunately, her dad's truck was still not there, meaning we were all still going to be the only people in the house. So we decided to go check out the room. Once we got in, we saw the chair, which has previously been pushed into the table, was now sitting right in the middle of the room, directly facing the mirror. I just got full of body chills. We all immediately looked back outside and called her dad just to affirm that nobody had been home while we were out, and nobody was. Not much happened after that. She and I continued to be idiots and mess with stuff we shouldn't have, but I've luckily suffered no apparent attachments or anything. I can't quite say the same to her, She never really mentioned anything, but she did have bad luck for years after. Well, that's my story. I tried to space it out so it just isn't a wall of text, which I appreciate. Thank you for in advance for reading. I'm super excited that you've started a podcast. Sincerely, Lexi. Lexi, I relate to that on so many levels. And my fine force friends, it's great to be interested in Wicca and witchcraft and other things, but make sure you're doing your research before you do anything and keep yourself safe. I'm glad you were safe, Lexi. This next story comes from Lauren in the UK. So back when I was 16 or 18, I can't quite remember, I was still living at home with my dad, stepmom, older brother, and baby brother. He was a newborn, about two years at the time. Within these two years, I experienced a lot of creepy things in the house. It's a three-bedroom house in East Yorkshire, UK. My brother had an attic bedroom, and I had a small box room, and my dad, stepmom, and newborn brother in the master bedroom. While I had the small box room, there was a floorboard on the landing in the hallway that let out a loud bang when stepped on. Like, you needed to put weight on it for it to bang. I was late in bed one night. My light was off, so I could see the landing light shining under my door. I heard footsteps walking past my bedroom towards the bathroom at the end of the hall. The floorboard banged, and I just assumed that was my dad going to the toilet. I see the shadows of footsteps stop outside my room and face my door, so I get up thinking my dad is about to knock, and I open the door, and nobody stood there. Everybody was in bed, and nobody was in the bathroom. I turn on my light and close the door get back in bed and lay there in absolute silence until I fall asleep. And that was the end of it. My second story started when I was home alone. At this point, I was 18. My brother had moved out and I got his attic room. My little brother had moved into my box room, so I was in my bedroom getting ready to go to my boyfriend's house. I hear my little brother crying downstairs and the sounds of drawers opening and closing. 
I thought my family had come home so I go downstairs to see my dad and find that nobody is home. The drawers in the dining room were open and it's dead silent. I put my back to the wall and freeze for a few seconds. I checked the doors and the windows and everything was locked. Whatever was downstairs was powerful enough to mimic my little brother crying and open drawers to lure me down the stairs. I grabbed my things and left to meet my boyfriend. My last major experience was when I was 18. It was 2am and my boyfriend and I were making food in the kitchen. From the kitchen you can see the dining room. My boyfriend saw something moved in the corner of his eye. He looks to the dining table and sees a face between the chairs staring at him. The way he described it was a pale white, red eyes, black scraggly hair with a huge, sharp smile. The face quickly disappeared and we hurried up the stairs to bed. He goes into my room and I close the door and hear a bang downstairs as I'm doing so. At the time, my boyfriend burst into tears. I rushed up the attic stairs into my room to see him, sat on the floor next to my bed. As he's gone to put on a cup of tea on my bedside table, he turned around to see a tall, dark figure wearing a black suit standing over him. He looks away and looks back to see me stood there. I didn't tell him that I heard a bang downstairs at the same time, that he saw whatever was stood over him. He described the figure about seven or eight feet tall. Sounds to me like the hat man. Safe to say that was an eventful night for us. He never stopped over again. I don't mind you sharing my stories on your podcast. I love to know what you think I could have seen. I found a picture that was similar to the face that I saw in the dining room table and the tall figure in my bedroom. Wow. Yeah, it definitely sounds like something wants to play with you in the least weird or maybe in the most weird way possible. I think that's the scary or fascinating or interesting thing about poltergeists is they want to mess with you. They want to cause chaos. They want you to have emotional responses. Well, that's it for this week's episode. Poltergeists are something you don't want to mess around with. They'll knock your stuff over, throw things at you, and burn it all to the ground. What do you think about them? For me, I've never experienced a poltergeist myself, but there are so many stories about them that I don't think we can deny their existence. If you have a poltergeist story that you would like to send in, feel free to email it to me. The podcast email is dlittpod at gmail.com, and I'm happy to hear any and all suggestions for future episodes there. Just send it to dlittpod at gmail.com. Feel free to follow me on Instagram at don't look in the trees with no apostrophes and be sure to turn on notifications so that you'll always know when new episodes are released. And I wanted to take a moment to tell you that you look amazing. You're beautiful. And you make my merch look amazing. If you haven't already, head over to dlittpod.redbubble.com and pick out your favorite items. We have two different designs. One is the podcast logo. The other one is a spooky eye saying, if you see it, no, you don't. So if you want to warn all of your friends, families, enemies, whatever, and warn them not to look in the trees and encourage them to not look and investigate spooky things and keep them safe, maybe save them from a poltergeist or something, it's a one-stop shop. Get yourself something today and make sure that everyone knows to not look in the trees. I've had so much fun with this episode. I hope you've loved listening to it. Until next time, my fine forest friends, don't look in the trees. Or you might annoy a spirit enough to break all your valuables and burn your house down to the foundation. (laughs) Bye, my friends.